Good to see each of you this morning. Grateful for your attendance here. I told the first service, I didn't know what was required to join the choir, but I kind of felt totally spirit nudged me a couple of times. I was just going to go and join the choir the first service. The second service, I've got to say, I, I think I picked up about 10,000 steps down there just dancing back and forth. Amen. The worship and uh, such great worship. Can, can we give uh, Brother Mark and the team another round of applause and thank the Lord for them? Um, I tell you what, you've got an incredible staff here, Lone Oak, and I know you know that, but just want to repeat that, do an incredible job. I believe the students just got back from camp, and, and uh, they're, y'all rested up? Not quite, but getting there, yeah, take about a month or so to, to get that back, but uh, grateful for all the good work going on here. You've had one of the best pastors in all the world of all time, Pastor Dan here for uh, over two decades, your pastor, and uh, the wonderful job that um, you all continue to do uh, for the name of Jesus. I just want to say it's an honor to be here, and I appreciate the opportunity to do so, and grateful to be able to share uh, God's Word with you. If you got your Bibles, as you've already heard from Brother Mark, Luke 15, verse number 1, if you'll find your way there, Luke 15, verse 1. I'll read down to verse number 10 this morning, Luke 15, verse number 1. I do just want to echo a few things that Brother Mark did mention as you find your way there in your Bible or on your tablet or phone or however you need to get there, just get there. Thank you for the ongoing cooperative program giving that you give. Lone Oak, you've heard this before. If you're visiting, maybe you haven't, but you keep coming back, you'll hear about it. Uh, cooperative programs, incredible fuel that uh, fuels our cooperative efforts and getting the gospel near and far. And Lone Oak, you indeed are a pace setter, not only in our great state of Kentucky, but in the United States and the Southern Baptist Convention. You're a pace setter for how you give to the cooperative program. It does do and help in the work that we do. It is the way that uh, as Kentucky Baptists on our mission, your mission board staff, we can do what we do. And um, so thank you for that. Our eight campus uh, ministers that serve across the state are thankful for your giving. You, because you give, our campus ministers can do the work of ministry. They have thousands of gospel conversations every semester with perhaps one of the greatest mission fields in all the world, college campuses. And because you're giving, they can do what they do. They can equip students that are going to go out in the workplace because you give as they disciple uh, those. Uh, uh, 3,500, a little bit more than 3,500 international missionaries are grateful for your giving. Brother Mark mentioned right here in Lone Oak. Uh, this is uh, real before your very eyes and in your very ears, uh, the cooperative program efforts that when you give, you obviously reach the nations, and I just want to say thank you, and I pray you never get tired of hearing about it, because it is indeed uh, one way that we can cooperate to get the gospel to the ends of the earth. Luke 15, verse number one. I'm going to read this text. I'm going to pray, and then we're going to dive into the sermon together, if that's all right with y'all this morning. The Bible says this, all the tax collectors and sinners were approaching to listen to him. Now, him is, is Jesus. And the Pharisees and scribes were complaining. This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. So he told them this parable. Don't you love it? What man among you who has a hundred sheep and loses one of them does not leave the ninety and nine in the open field and go after the lost one until he finds it? And when he has found it, he puts it joyfully on his shoulders. And coming home, he calls his friends and neighbors together. And this is what he says to them. Rejoice with me, because I have found my lost sheep. I tell you in the same way, there is more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous people 
who don't need repentance? Or what woman who has 10 coins, if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp and sweep the house and search carefully until she finds it. When she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbors together. And this is what she says, rejoice with me because I found the silver coin I lost. I tell you, verse 10 says, in the same way, there is joy in the presence of God's angels over one sinner who repents. Would you join me in prayer? Father God, thank you for your inspired word. Father, as we have been led so incredibly in worship and our hearts have been stirred up to think about the great salvation and hope we have in Jesus Christ and in his resurrection, the hope that we've been given. I pray, Father God, you would encourage us, but I pray you challenge us by your Holy Spirit to be people who live on mission. God, those that have been reached with the gospel setting in this sanctuary or maybe watching online, God, may they reach out to others. And God, perhaps some here have never responded to the gospel and repented. I pray they would repent and believe. By your spirit, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. When I was in my doctoral program, kind of on the last lap, finishing up, many of you understand you got to write a dissertation, and that's a pretty big mountain to write a dissertation. A lot of work, a lot of blood, sweat, and tears, and everything else, I guess. A lot of agony, but a lot of joy that comes with it. One of the last seminars that I had in my program, my professor made a statement. Many of you have heard this before. Many of you have said this before. He asked a question, how do you eat an elephant? Well, how do you, Lono? How do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. <clears throat> there you go. But here's the thing. He took it a step further, and I haven't forgotten it. He said, how do you eat an elephant? Of course, again, talking about the dissertation. Several hundred pages that are going to be written. He said, one bite at a time and invite the community. I thought, that's pretty good. I don't know that I've ever heard it extended like that. You eat an elephant one bite at a time and invite the community. Now, when you're thinking about that project, that makes all the sense in the world when you got to do some research, you got to interview scholars, uh, interview the experts in the field, research scholars, invite people to speak into your writing and your research. It makes all the sense in the world. Lone Oak First Baptist, here's the deal. If you and I are going to reach the world for Christ, it'll be one person at a time and we'll do it together. That's how you reach the world. It's a daunting task. It's an overwhelming task. Let's be honest, at times when we engage the mission field or engage the work of ministry and we seek out lost people, there will be opposition along the way. But as we reach the many, we know we reach the many by reaching the one. And we do it together. Everybody on the same page, pursuing the same mission for the same glory, that is the glory of God. Today I want to preach under the title and subject, Lost and Found, the Significance of the One. The text we read this morning points to the great love that the Father extends to us. And ultimately, the principle that we can apply to our lives in practicing evangelism, or that is sharing the gospel message that Jesus Christ died for the world, for sinners, 
so that when they hear the glorious good news that they could be saved, they could repent and believe, and indeed be saved. It's the message that Christians are called to proclaim to their neighbors and their family and their friends, here, near, and far. In other words, when we think about evangelism, we're committing to the task of pursuing lost sinners and sharing the gospel message with them. Philip Nation put on social media, we have a missional savior, therefore we are to be missional people. Dr. Paul Chitwood has reminded us on an ongoing basis, Dr. Chitwood, former executive director treasurer of Kentucky Baptist Convention, now the International Mission Board president, he's made this statement, the greatest problem in the world is lostness. And the only solution to that problem is the gospel. 59% of our world today, as we understand it, is considered unreached. Uh, What that means is Jesus is largely unknown among 4.6 billion people in the world. Let's narrow it down a little bit more. 2020, Kentucky Baptist Convention staff had discussed, and we're now releasing this to churches and ministries. 2020, uh, Rosemary, or Glen Mary research uh, comes out with statistics on church involvement, uh, church attendance, church membership in the state of Kentucky. You perhaps have heard this statement before that 80% of Kentucky is unchurched. That is to say that on any given Sunday across the state of Kentucky, 80% of the state population will not be in church. Now, we understand that's not an exact indicator of lost or not, but it's a pretty challenging statement, isn't it? 2020 revealed that in McCracken County, McCracken County, 28.3% of those that were surveyed that make up the research, which is, again, beyond my mind and understanding. Some of you may understand how some of that works. 28.3% indicate that they are attenders of a religious organization. 28.3% in McCracken County would essentially be attending church. So statistics are a little better, perhaps, for you in McCracken County. But that's still pretty bad, isn't it? Let's make it a little bit more personable. 2020 census in McCracken County indicates 67,875 people make up McCracken County. 67,875 people. If my math is right and I've used my calculator correctly, based on the percentage of 28.3% regularly attending church, that means that this morning, there perhaps would be approximately 48,000 people that are not attending church in McCracken County. Lone Oak, if you reach 2% of those that are not attending church, that would be 973 people. If you reach 2% of those not attending church, 973 people, you know what that would do, Lone Oak? That'd fill up this sanctuary again. If every Bible-believing, gospel-preaching church in McCracken County reached that much, guess what? We'd have to build and plant a lot of churches. Can somebody say amen? amen? I want to take it a little bit further than that. If we were to ask Jesus this morning, if we were to ask Jesus this morning, how many do we have to have before us 
to qualify for an all-out gospel effort in our work, in our budget, and in our energy? What number can we justify in beginning the work of expending ourselves to reach them? How many, Jesus, do we need? Jesus would say, one. We reach the many by reaching the one. Here's the truth. You don't have to look beyond your family, your friends, your neighbors, your coworkers, your friends to see the sobering reality of lostness. We don't, look with, we don't look at this as prideful people, but as broken people. If you're a believer this morning, clothed in love, understanding that we've got a task before us to reach people with the gospel. This morning, I want to ask these questions. Will you accept the responsibility to share the gospel with the lost world? Are you willing to do whatever it takes to reach the one? Lone Oak, will you hold the rope during this time of transition in your church? to make certain that preferences don't drown out gospel priority. As you guard the precious gospel of God in Jesus Christ, will you make certain that nothing stands in your way of advancing it? Because as we look at the context of Luke 15, we do see opposition, which becomes a climax in our study of scripture this morning. The opposition is the very religious elite that is around Jesus, right? Look at your Bible in verse number one and verse number two. After Jesus in Luke 14 has been teaching on this great call to follow himself, the tax collectors, which were considered for just all points of definition, they were the social and spiritual outcast. It says in verse one, the tax collectors and the sinners, the sinners would be kind of a very general word used here. This is what sinners would mean. And you and all understand this is the catch-all word. This would be the thieves and the drunkards and the prostitutes and anyone else who refused to be conformed to the religious society in the present culture. And the Pharisees and scribes in verse number two were complaining that Jesus was welcoming sinners and eating with them. Oh boy. Here we go. Listen, as Jesus was reaching the one, the religious were complaining. Great opposition. I mean, herein lies this great, incredible opportunity that Jesus always sees and never let go to teach this parable. As he was seeking to advance the gospel himself, there was pushback from these religious Pharisees and scribes. They wanted Jesus to remain as far away from the sinners and tax collectors as possible. There's only, there's one problem with that. That's not the mission of Jesus, nor is that the pattern of his life as we see all throughout the gospels. The very fact that he's at the table eating with them in the context of this conversation reveals that it is only God's grace and kindness in Christ that reaches and saves people. It's not religiosity. And the religious folks were mad. Jesus, listen, Jesus was entering into lostness and Jesus was engaging in lostness. And here comes the opposition. But also here comes an incredible truth that we must understand. Here's the grace of God. In Christ, 
This morning, if you're a believer, you are the one that is reached so that you can reach the one. I'm going to say that again. If you are in Christ, you are the reached that is called to reach the one. I mean, incredibly enough, as as we examine this parable, and we're going to walk through it very quickly and simply this morning, there's an element of conviction that lies in this parable, right? There's an element of a burden that lies in this parable. It's the fact that you and I as reached people, as the church, are called to be the church and live out this commission to share the good news of Jesus Christ with those around us that are lost. The good news of Jesus is right here. It's the very sovereign fact that God has reached us in our sin, he has saved us in Christ, and he has given us a new identity to live for his glory. You see, I don't need any other reason to reach others with the gospel than the Bible. But I want to tell you something, Lone Oak. As we were singing in worship, and my blood started boiling a little bit. I know some of your blood was boiling too, amen? As I was thinking and reflecting on the grace of God reaching me as a sinner and saving me by his grace, redeeming me and covering me in his blood, forgiven forever, home in heaven, purpose in my life. When I think about Incarico being reached, I can't help but be overwhelmed by the grace of God that now has commissioned me and will enable me every day of my life to live for his glory, to reach out to the one, even if there is opposition from those that seem to be religious. Jesus leans into this parable, and I believe we see this morning, very quickly, time's ticking, two principled convictions. I think there are two convictions we learned in the scriptures this morning. Very simple, really could be just two words, but I've got them in sentences. Number one, I think you see the priority that is necessary in reaching the one. The priority that is necessary in reaching the one. As you look at these two parables here, of course, we didn't read the last parable, verses 11 through 32. That might be one that's more well-known. We see that Jesus is teaching a priority as he reached the one. I've got four boys, and my family's here this morning. Some of you saw them walking in, and and, uh, I often say when my family walks in, normally we can double the attendance pretty quick, Amen. Here, we don't double it, but we add to it pretty good. So when you read your numbers on this service, just know we helped out, all right? We packed a pew this morning, okay? Y'all remember those days. Four boys, I remember the, we're still living in it a little bit, pacifier days. Y'all know, your parents in here, we just had parents out. Some of y'all got, got mixed emotion about pacifiers. First son, I kind of feel sorry for him now. He's pretty strict with him, you know? Uh, let's wean him off the pacifier as quickly as possible. Our fourth boy, I mean, where's his passy at? Amen. I mean, it's just get his passy and just, all right, we're going to get there one of these days, hon. We're going to wean you off of it, but right now it's not it. And by the way, I can't say much because I took a pacifier for a long time, a lot longer than I want to admit on this platform. But if you see me outside, I might tell you how long I took that. I can have 10 pacifiers. He can have, any of them have 10 pacifiers, but if they lose one, y'all know what I mean? It's like, what's the deal? Here, just take this one, you know? But that doesn't work. All of a sudden, mom and dad's priorities shift. When you got a child that wants that one, all of a sudden, things kind of shift around. You can ignore it for a little while, but you're going to have to face it somehow. Now, you can face it however you want to, led by the Holy Spirit and your conviction. Amen, parents. But now, we would shift priorities. You know, when you lose, if you've got two or three debit cards and you lose one, Well, you're going to shift your priorities around to to find the one. Jesus here 
as he leans into this parable. We learn very quickly that the great commandment and the great commission leads to a great concern. The great concern is pointed out and lived out through the priority. You know, Jesus lived with great priority all of his life. Let me share a few more verses with you. Matthew 18, 11, the Bible says, for the son of man is coming to, to seek and to save that which was lost. Luke 19, 10, for the son of man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. The, the great commission that the Lord Jesus Christ gave to the church to live out before he was ascended back up into heaven was to go into all the world, to go into all the ethnic, to go into all the peoples and share the good news of Jesus Christ, make disciples, baptize, teach, and observe all things that Jesus commanded. Jesus lived out his mission and these religious elite were pushing back and telling Jesus to chill out. Don't go that far. From their point of view, just let in this parable, the low life shepherds deal with the 99. Don't worry about the one or if it's the woman, she's got nine other coins. Don't worry about that other coin, a, a drachma as it's called. It's a, that coin would be a day's wage. It's a big deal. Don't worry about it, you've got nine others. But from Jesus' point of view, he says, no, I've got to go. There's priority. There's priority involved. C.T. Studd said this, some want to live within the sound of a church or chapel bell. I want to rent a rescue shop within a yard of hell. The priority that we're called to live as a church provokes urgency. I think there are three legs that hold up this priority. Three legs, if you will, that hold up this priority. The first one is intentionality. Jesus, I believe, shows intentionality. And boy, how intentional he was for us, amen? God sent forth his son, born of a virgin, to live and die for you and I so that we could be saved. And Jesus says in verse number three in this parable, going to verse number four, Notice his priority. What man among you who has a hundred sheep and loses one of them does not leave the 99 in the open field and go after the lost one? You see it? Notice the woman. Verse eight. She's got 10 silver coins. If she loses one coin, does not light a lamp. Very intentional. Sweep the house. I would say even more intentional. And searches carefully. Great intentionality always reveals priority. But not only intentionality, but I think you see love. There's great love revealed in these parables. You perhaps see the love revealed in the final parable that he shows or tells about in uh, verses 11 through 32. We didn't read this morning, but there's great love involved in this priority. The shepherd for the sheep, the woman for the coin, and in this last parable in 11 through 32 of Luke 15, it's been called the parable of the lost son, the parable of the loving father, the parable of the prideful son. Whatever you've heard that as, the reality is there is a great love that is revealed as Jesus teaches, reaching out to the one. And this love is shown even in our own life, the great love of God, 1 John 4, 10. In this is love, not that we loved him, but that he loved us first. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. The great love revealed as a shepherd pursues 
the one sheep leaving behind the 99 and the great love that the woman has to find that one coin and then the the great love that the loving father has as he seeks out the lost, the prodigal son, but also a great love that he shows in the final verses before we go to chapter 16. A great love is as he shares with a prideful son, son, you've got everything that I've got. Everything I have is yours. I was just concerned to reach the one that it was a prodigal. Amen. The great love of the father. You see, when you think about priority in the church, Lone Oak First Baptist, you, this church, the priority, the intentionality that will be involved to reach the one, but the great love that will be involved to reach the one. In the last part in the priority, we see this. There's, there's great perseverance. I said in the first service, I think one of the most underrated words or disciplines or thoughts or lessons in the church today is probably perseverance. I want to persevere to the end. Amen. I want to take serious what God has given to me to do. And that means I've got to persevere. You know where I get perseverance from? Look at your Bible. In this parable, the last words of verse 4, Jesus in this parable says, until he finds it. He searches until he finds it. Notice the woman. That coin, look at verse number 8, the end of verse number 8. Until she finds it. Do they give up? No. Do we know how long it took the shepherd to find the sheep? Does Jesus tell us in the parable? Don't know. But we do know this, that he wasn't content until he found it. The woman wasn't content until she found it. And the loving father, of course, we didn't read it again in 11 through 32. He was waiting and looking for the prodigal son to come home. To persevere, Lone Oak. To not give up. It won't be easy. There will be difficulty. There may be trial involved. You may knock on 100 doors before you see a salvation, but keep knocking. You may have 1,000 conversations before somebody gives their life to Christ, but keep having that gospel conversation. Keep searching, keep looking, keep going, because here's the deal. God didn't give up on me. In the days when I was stiff-arming, in the days that I was trying to ignore the call of the Holy Spirit in my life, he kept pursuing. He kept loving me, which just reveals to us we can never outrun the love of God. And this morning, if you're here, you can never outrun the love of God. But church, what does that teach us about finding and reaching out to that one? We should never give up on finding those around us. Before we transition very quickly to the final point, I just want to say this as we think about priority. Because Lone Oak, I believe here's a real point of application that you and I can apply to our life. As we think about the days ahead, as you think about reaching people in McCracken County, Kentucky, United States, and the world for Christ, we'll do it together. Here's what you see. Here's what you think about. If you want to think about your priority? What's your, bu what's your budget? Reflect. That'll tell you something about priority. Um, what do your calendars reflect? That'll tell you something about priority. What's your vision look like? That'll tell you something about priority. What's your prayer life look like? You praying for lostness? Are you at the altar begging God to save that person in your life that you know is lost? Are you casual? It's priority. And Lord, here's what you know about priority. Because there may come a day in this church, I hope not, I pray not. And may we all bind together that it never happened in this church or any church. 
Here's what you know, there could be a day when you're sitting around the table talking about reaching a lost world for Christ. And you're talking about spending money and doing the work of ministry and, and budgeting this or, or expending this. And as you have those conversations, inevitably there could, ha- there could be someone along the way that may speak up and say, now you've gone too far, don't be going that far. Or that's too risky. Or you don't want those people in the church. Or what would the world say about this? And won't they mess up our church? And how can we afford this task? And what's the return for us? To which I would follow up and say this. We can't afford not to reach and expend ourselves on the Great Commission. And church, let me just say real quickly, and I promise I'm moving on. I won't get to say everything I want to say, which is never the case, but, or always the case, I guess, but. Here's what you need to know. If that religious person looks at you and says those words, before they said it to you, they said it to Jesus. But you know what Jesus did? This is the reason I've come, to reach the one. Let's go. Which leads us to the last point very quickly before we have a time of prayer. We see now the priority, but we see the praise that is necessitated in reaching the one. We see a praise that is necessitated in reaching the one. I think there's a praise worthy on earth and there's a praise worthy in heaven. Notice the response here of the shepherd in verse five. When he's found it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and he comes home and he calls his friends and neighbors together and this is what he says, rejoice with me. Man, I found my lost sheep. I tell you, in the same way, there's more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous people who don't need repentance. The woman, when she finds her coin, she calls her friends and neighbors together. And this is what she says, rejoice with me because I found the lost coin that I lost. I tell you, in the same way, there is joy in the presence of God. Angels over one sinner who repents. Church, when one sinner repents, there is a celebration on earth And there is an all-out celebration in heaven because the shepherd picks up that big sheep. He journeys back home. He's been searching ravines and mountains. And as he's coming home, he says, call my neighbors and call my friends, boys. I found my lost sheep. Have them waiting because we're going to rejoice. A lost one is home. And the woman with the coin, she finds the coin. She says, call or text or whatever. I mean, they didn't have text. You know what I'm saying? Babe, but here's the deal. Get them out, call them out. I found the one I've been looking for, the one I've been giving priority to. to. I found my lost coin. Let us rejoice. And then Jesus just, Jesus underscores it all by saying, that's heaven's praise. That's heaven's praise. When one sinner repents, there is more joy over 99 religious people Righteous people who don't need it. Of course, remember, he's talking to the Pharisees and scribes. And he's telling them, Lone Oak, lean in, we're about done. Jesus is saying, this is the priority. To go after the one. To find the one. Church, are you ready? Are you willing to continue to do what you've been doing for years? To advance the gospel after seeking out the one going after the one, your family, friends, coworkers, understanding that if heaven's praises 
are worthy of this, then earth's priority is necessitated by this. I'm going to ask you to bow your head this morning, close your eyes. As we come to a time of response, this is a time provided for you. This is your invitation. This is your response to come to an altar, bring a friend, bring a family member to pray. This morning, maybe you're sitting in this place watching online and you're that one that the Holy Spirit is seeking out. You're the one that God is seeking out. In your lostness, understanding that you're a sinner, understanding that there's none good, no, not one, that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, but also realizing the good news that God sent forth his son to die on a cross, shedding his blood, to be resurrected so that you could be redeemed. Listen, here's what we learn from the scripture. Repent, it means you turn from your sin and you believe. You believe that Jesus died for you, shed his blood for you, he arose for you to give you forgiveness and purpose. If you this morning, you'll call upon the name of the Lord, repenting, expressing your heart's desire to follow him. You can be saved. You're the one. Church, many here have been saved. This is your opportunity to continue on, to recommit to the task, to reach the one. Because here's what we learn. You've been reached. You've been reached. I've been reached so that we can reach others. And may we live with the understanding and warning that even if a Pharisee or scribe pushes back, may we remember what Jesus has called us to do. And then Lord, may we all be on the same page to advance what you've given. However you need to respond this morning to the Holy Spirit's call, you come. Father, thank you for the gospel. I pray, dear God, you would help us I pray, Father, that you would lead us and guide us. And Lord, may we always remember what great love you've had even for us. Save the lost. May the saved be added to the church in Jesus' name. Amen.